welcome to this bonus episode of Tim Talk, the podcast, actually more often than not now, about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Nexter. Uh, but this week we are, are back with a bonus episode to talk about Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. That some theaters are calling it. As, at his, as it is occasionally now known. Yes. Did I get the title right? I think that this, sounds right. I think, I think I got it right this time. Yeah. Yeah, you were off the dome. I didn't. I didn't. I know. Didn't I, write I was that impressed. down. Yeah, you locked eye contact the whole time. I had to stop and really think about mm-hmm. it to make sure I got it right. And yeah. even then, probably still got it wrong. No, that, sound, that sounded right. Yeah. Uh, no, we we're of course here to talk about that movie, but also by extension the Harley TV show because mm-hmm. we have like two pretty major representations of her on screen right now. We're talking about. Uh, but as any of you who are listening to this are aware, being one assumes Batman fans, we do have a rather critical piece of news. To discuss this week. Yes. I am, of course, talking about the Billie Eilish title track song from No Time it's, it's to Die. It's good. It's good, it's right? It's really good. It actually is really good. <laughs> I mean, no, we're, we're going to definitely talk about uh, the camera test from the Batman revealing mm-hmm. the, the first example of the new Batsuit. Uh, but the funny thing for me is that that camera test came out at the same time as the Billie Eilish song. So I'm at work and my phone is blowing up from both sides of my nerddom. Everyone asks me, oh my God, have you seen the camera test slash have you listened to the song? And me just going to everyone, no, I have not yet. I'm still at work. Yes, please stop bothering me. My boss is looking at me. Uh, But no, I mean, um, I do want to talk about the the Bond theme real quick though. Please do. I I quite enjoyed it. It's really good. Yeah. I'm I'm very excited for the, the visuals. To go along with this. Exactly, yeah. That's what I'm most intrigued by is to see what sort of visual pairing they do. It's a little bit different of a song. Like, it feels like a modern take on, like, a kind of a, a cla- more classic Bond song. Mm-hmm. Like, Adele Skyfall is definitely, you know, Shirley Bassey's Goldfinger done for the modern age. It's yeah. It's kind of hitting those what, same what sort was of the, who, did, who did Casino Royale? Uh, that was Chris Cornell. That's right. Okay. Uh, famously of Audio Slave, mm-hmm. uh, who is unfortunately no longer with us. But th- that was also quite a bit of a departure. Um, but I think that was deliberate. That whole movie was intended to be a departure from a typical Bond film. Yeah. And the, the visuals, the title sequence especially, had never been done. In oh, that was quite. so good. It's really good. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I mean, this feels different. I mean, she, I feel like she's whispering through the whole thing. It, well, it, that's it, her style. Though. It's her style, yeah. It'd definitely be a hard song to do for karaoke because you wouldn't know yeah. what the hell you were saying. Well, because funny enough, for people that like listen to Billy, people were shocked that she like belts in the song. Yeah, she does. She, does. she does. She never does that. Yeah, it, it. I've actually only listened to it once. Crazy enough, now I think about it. But it definitely builds mm-hmm. towards a uh, you know a, a big moment there towards the end. I, I'm I'm quite excited about it. Actually. Yeah, I'm still a little bit nervous with the movie. the The reported three hour runtime is of concern <laughs> to me. It makes me worried that they saw uh, Avengers Endgame and went, "Oh, that's what people loved most about this." Oh, people really enjoy time travel in these yeah. movies. <laughs> The, the the producers in the Bond films have a long history of trying to follow a trend, but oftentimes picking the wrong thing mm-hmm. to follow. Okay, so on that note, if they did a Bond multiverse, would that be a horrible idea or a wonderful idea? Uh, I and into the in, into the Bondverse into the Bondverse. So, okay, it's funny you mentioned that. There were rumors at the end of Skyfall originally, instead of going to his. Uh, his parents' house out in Scotland, he was going to go to a retirement home for agents, uh, for agents, for double O agents. And that the role played by Albert Finney was originally going to be Sean Connery. And that there may have been like some suggestion, like he isn't necessarily bond because this, 
this franchise or this iteration has particularly disproved the theory that it's a code name. Mm-hmm. It's like it's act that's actually his name. Yeah. Um, but the idea was that he was going to be like an older agent, and they were talking about like possibly it being they had this whole idea. So like that was like the closest they've ever come to a a, a Bond verse. You're gonna thing. find out his name is James Bond Junior. <laughs> I mean that's a thing. That's a cartoon. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure yeah. it is. <laughs> but it's actually like his cousin, his like nephew or something. Great. I don't know how that works. I mean. The thing that kind of sucks is we never at any point got all six Bonds in a room together. Unfortunately, like Roger Moore has since passed. Mm-hmm. And there's always talks about like maybe for the 50th anniversary, the Oscars was going to get all of them together to do like some sort of special presentation. But I think the reason that didn't happen is one, like Sean Connery is just like a cantankerous old asshole. <laughs> but I think he's also in rather failing health at this point too. Okay. Um, so I think that's part of the reason they probably couldn't get him or one of the reasons they couldn't get him. Um, I don't know. I mean, what? I, I mean, look, I would love for like Daniel Craig to have to interact with, say, Roger Moore's Bond. Like they are so far from each other. Yeah. They'd be really interesting. Uh, you could have like Timothy Dalton show up and be like super earnest, but no one takes him seriously. Like there is a really fun story to be told somewhere. Well, then, of course, you have to have um, was it who, who was before Craig? Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan has to come out of an invisible car. He does. But I, I feel like Pierce Brosnan would show up and would just be like so at peace with the whole thing. He's just like, look, I'm here. I'm just having a good time. I don't really care what you guys are well, up to. I feel to. like it would be like all the Bonds kind of trying to one-up each other. And then just like in the corner, you see a door of nothing come up, like open. Like, <laughs> oh, not right now. And it's like, close. You guys are good. I'm going to leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like hear the tired. Yeah. Like this it's true it's the, i just rewatched that the other day with uh with cj former guest on the show and we were commenting on how stupid it is that for an invisible car they used a v12 powered aston martin that sounds like a goddamn airplane yep. at idle <laughs> not very stealthy <laughs> uh but the, the last great part of having a, a bond versus crossover is that george lays wouldn't be helping at all he'd just be off womanizing somewhere of course yes <laughs> Which would be highly entertaining. Uh, but no, obviously still super excited for that movie. And I think the uh, the theme song is a good indication of hopefully good things to come. Yeah. Uh, but let's get to the real root news here, which of course is the screen test. Mm-hmm. Were you expecting their, were you waiting for their fake out right there? Did you no, think? no, no, no. <laughs> okay. I, I, I had a question set up, which is what is the purpose of a screen test, a public screen test? I mean, this is just, I think, uh, a more filmic way to do a reveal. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah, so it's a, it's a camera test, right? So it's just like, I guess... A camera test, I feel like, wouldn't usually be done in really intense red lighting that will probably not feature prominently in the movie, I would guess. Um, I mean, ultimately, this was just Matt Reeves' way of showing off a piece of the bat suit. Well, because they did this the same way with Joker. Um, oh, yeah, they did something well, yeah, like Joaquin this. did it. And I feel like Jared Leto also did a, a, a screen. I feel like someone in Suicide Squad did a screen test. Okay. Maybe it was just me... the, maybe it was the, we got the laugh from... from Jared Leto early. I don't even remember what that. I just remember it was bad. Wheezing, incoherent laugh would have been. Um, yeah, and, and my bad. I said screen test. I meant to say camera test because the screen no, test. Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah screen test would be for actually like auditioning for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the like actual filmic use of this is. I think it was just his way of doing something other than just putting a photo out. I yeah. So my guess is like you're gonna have a paparazzi, a paparazzi photo come out. Yeah. Pretty soon. And this is them just like, okay, we haven't actually 
looked at the suit outside yet. This is our only chance to like get ahead of that story. And, and you you want to because mm-hmm. I, th- I think at this point so much it's really difficult to escape any sort of like set photos coming yeah. out. And the, you know, the last thing you want to is for them to unflattering photo to be the first thing that comes well, out. Yeah. Cause what, what did that happen with that happened with, was it Shazam that they did put out? Shazam had a pretty early photo. Yeah. But I'm trying to remember, I feel like one of one. the, uh, the Henry Cavill Superman had a pretty early photo and people didn't like the suit. Cause yeah. you couldn't see any, it, it was like from the side and from the side, you couldn't see any of the red. So it looked like just one giant blue onesie, which, it, very ripped. It and is. Very cut yeah. it, it is still a giant blue onesie. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was kind of a muted shot. You couldn't really see a lot of detail, but I'm, I'm totally blanking on this. And, and someone is now like screaming into their phone, but I feel like that happened recently with a pretty big comic book property that the first photos put out were set photos. I, I want to say it was Shazam and it just didn't look well, great. Uh, yeah. And then they finally put out a proper, like, you know, enhanced photo and like, oh, this actually looks pretty good. Because the, the the Shazam one, because it was the first time we'd seen. Yeah, I think I think it is Shazam because it was the first time we saw Zach Levi, uh, like built and in the muscle suit. Yeah. Um, and so it it looked so jarring compared to what we knew of him before. Right. Of like, oh, that's just a giant inflated mu- like that SpongeBob episode where he gets the muscle arms. Yes, exactly. Like was, oh like, yeah, comparable <laughs> to that. Um. And then see, because it was, yeah, again, it was like on the side. It was like him holding something. So the bicep was extra um, bulgy. Bulgy. Um, and yeah, and then later we got the, I, I assume probably E probably had it in their magazine. Yeah, I think that they put uh, out a proper photo. But yeah, I mean, wh- what did you think of the, the new suit? It looks fine. I It, it feels very Arkham, like Arkham game yeah. tones. Yeah, very like armored, metallic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the the emblem in the middle, I feel like it's just gonna be like full of gadgets. So, I don't think this has been confirmed anywhere, but the heavy rumor flowing right now is that the emblem is made of pieces from the gun that killed his parents. Oh, that's interesting. Which, if that is, tr- and if you look at the the detailing on it, that totally seems plausible. If that's true, that's metal as fuck. That feels extra dark, <laughs> like. That's really dark. And I mean, one of the things I do like about it too is that it doesn't have the ears on it. So it's actually, um, it looks like the original 1939 yeah. Detective Comics costume, which is kind of cool. Um, I thought it was interesting that it has like a bit of like a, a, like a shawl collar kind of thing going on. Like the cape doesn't just come straight out of the suit. Like there's a bit of like a, a neck to it mm-hmm. a little bit, which is kind of interesting. We didn't see the ears. I know. And there's, the a, there's a weird lot of debate about what kind of ears he should have. Yeah, I mean, and I'm like, I, for, I don't care. I, mean, I was gonna ask you, what ears do you want to see? I don't care, <laughs> as uh, long as there is some ears. I I want it to also be 1939 oh, style, like super, super t- pointy, way yeah. off to the side. They look like, the, like radio antenna, almost. Yeah, like the foot long ears. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not a lot. It's just a little bit to kind of like wet people's appetite. Yeah, but I mean, it, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Get that um, that great R. Pat's bat line or uh, jawline. Jaw oh, he's got man's got great jaw. Yeah, he gives good jaw. <laughs> and a lot of people uh, have been saying that it looks a lot like the Daredevil suit. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. see that. <laughs> to the point where uh, our friend Jonathan actually sent me an article about like comparisons to the, the two. Because I mean, especially with the red lighting, it looks yeah. a lot like it. 
Um, I'm also very curious the piece of score they have on there, if that is like an early sample from Giacchino or if that comes from somewhere else. I didn't recognize it. I, I When I was Googling it, someone mentioned it was Giacchino. Okay. Uh, but I don't know. Who knows? I feel like people are just talking shit right now to try and get views. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course they are. They just want anyone to click on anything. Mm-hmm. I, I actively always try and find the original source videos and these sort of things. Yeah. Which really is like hard to do sometimes with stuff like this or trailers. Like, I think it was, actually, I think it's even like the Billie Eilish song, and I was trying to track it down. Like, the first thing that pops up is like an IGN repost on YouTube. Like, no, 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 no. Like, I want to actually go to the original thing put out I, by the I studio. Would, I would trust IGN. Oh, it's not a matter so, like, of me not trusting it. It's just like, <clears throat> if I'm going to give the view to someone, I'm yeah. going to give it to the studio. Yeah, not like that they, Warner, Warner not, Media's channel. Not that Warner Brothers needs it, mm-hmm. but still. But like, you also have that stuff where sometimes it's like an offshoot channel, because sometimes like, Warner Brothers has like the Batman YouTube channel. Yeah. And, like they'll be the ones to post it. And when you go to Warner Brothers, it doesn't show anything. Mm-hmm. Like Disney has that problem a lot. Yeah. Uh, Disney's uh, hard to track down the real yeah, thing. Like they have like the, the Disney YouTube, they have Mickey's YouTube, Princess YouTube. Uh, and like I want to, I want to watch the Mulan trailer. It's like, why is it on Mickey Brazil? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's easily all gets kind of sidelined. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm I'm hopeful about this. Yeah, I I would be more excited to see all the villains. I assume we're gonna get um, a photo coming out in the next probably at WonderCon. I bet is when we're gonna get like the full. Is WonderCon big enough? Well, I mean that's just. I feel like like Entertainment Weekly would put out their issue during WonderCon. I don't think WonderCon's is. I think th- I mean this is. I would say right now this is the biggest comic movie in production that people are excited about just mm-hmm. just because. We're now starting like a new phase up with Marvel. I mean, I'm excited for both the Internals and Black Widow, but not as excited I am for like a Matt Reeves Batman movie. Yeah, but but we've seen stuff from those movies already, so they're not going to be the main right. subject so, of a WonderCon. Like, what, a WonderCon could fully go into like here's all the Batman stuff you need to know. But what I'm getting at with that is, I think they're going to save all of this for Comic Con because I think even if, first looks. Yeah, I think if because I mean, so look, it's February now. They're only just starting principal photography. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll get some of the teases of looks, but I mean, I think we're definitely going to get some sort of like teaser trailer. I think, I think they're going to hold off until Comic-Con to do any major reveals because the thing is, Warner Brothers shows up to San Diego Comic-Con with anything the Batman related. That's the biggest story coming out of there this year. That's true. Like, I don't think Disney is going to announce anything huge down there. I don't think Marvel's going to announce anything huge down there. And even if they do, I just can't imagine it really comparing with this. Mm-hmm. Like, we already can project that this is going to own comic book news during its production more so than anything else happening yeah so i don't know exciting though it's yeah. good very exciting and also i mean i think this kind of does segue a little bit into like the the topic at hand which is harley quinn which is as excited as i am for this movie it its existence does still highlight a lot of the problems happening with warner brothers which ultimately comes down to well I'll eventually get into it my problems with harley quinn is i think it would have been better with a connective universe but I actually want to talk what about mean, good. We, we saw a poster of Captain Boomerang. What do you mean? That, I mean, the, that was a fun universe. That was a fun little nod. I did like that. Uh, but I, I was surprised actually. I, I don't know where I thought coming into this, you also weren't so hot on this movie. It turns out you really enjoyed I it. I really enjoyed this movie. Okay. Yeah, Cause this I, is maybe my second favorite DC film. Like of all of them, of the current ones. Well, that's not really it's probably everyone's second favorite behind yeah. behind Wonder Woman. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's probably true of most people. The bar is tragic, so tragically low. I mean, Shazam is good. 
I, I like this a little more than Shazam. Um, oh, that's a good question, actually, which I haven't even thought about Shazam. I kind of forget about that movie. We just talked about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Minutes ago. <laughs> but I also tend to forget about it. Yes. Uh, but no, like I, I was not super hot on this, and I, I, I for some reason, I assumed you would come. That, in with that's this. so. I, I was coming from the idea that you were gonna like this movie. I, I thought it was fun. It's vibrant. Um, it, it greatly underplayed Huntress, which hurt me a little bit. Yeah. The choreography is wonderful. The cinematography is fun. Yeah. No, I want to hear more positive things. Like I genuinely, like I always feel bad being like. I feel like I'm usually the cynical one, right? Yes. We do this. I should know these things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more shocking when I don't like it and you do like it. Yeah. Uh, now we're just playing into our stereotypes. Yeah, that's absolutely mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Uh, Cameron, once again, liking a bad movie. I, I do I do see where a lot of people dislike the movie. Like, I feel like the second act is very slow and muddled. Mm-hmm. Um, but that... I feel like the, the police office fight sequence is so wonderful. I could watch... Harley snort coke for another yeah uh, five minutes of that sequence, um, and then the the last sequence in uh, Amusement Mile mm-hmm. was so much fun. That it was, was, it was pretty so fun. creative, and it because it's the um, what's its face from John Wick came so on. So Chad Stahelski came in to do a lot of the second eunuch. Uh, <laughs> yes, the <laughs> second eunuch fights. The second eunuch fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he did a lot of the second unit stuff. And um, a lot of the fight choreography, and I, I think and it shows in this one. Like it, 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 it does. It feels very Atomic Blonde. It does, yeah. And I think that is probably the single strongest point in the entire movie is the fight choreography, which sounds like painting it with a bit of faint praise, but I actually think it's just genuinely it's that great choreography. Good. It's, it's all wide shots. Yeah. Uh, there's no like close up bullshit. There's no. not a lot of CGI that's going on. No, and I think there's there's a, a real a, hand slapping people. <laughs> <laughs> it was also just like super creative. Like, it's very creative, and I think Margot Robbie is doing a lot of it. Like you yeah. said, a lot of it's wide enough. Like it's wide enough that you see the full movement, but it's close enough you can tell. Like actually, that's probably her mm-hmm. through a lot of it. And I think it it goes to speak to how much she cared about this movie. I think she put in a lot of effort into this in terms of the the character and in terms of producing the movie and like training and like really putting it in the fights. Yeah, because the fight sequences are amazing, and I think the standout sequence in the whole thing is definitely when she breaks into the gcpd mm-hmm. that is so much fun yeah like her having the riot gun and just firing glitter cannons and beanbags at all the cops like it also was great because it subverts the violence in a lot of ways like and especially for an r-rated film like there yeah there wasn't a lot of over-the-top violence so i mean actually along those lines do you think this needed to be r-rated Uh, ooh, that's a good question. I, I want to say no, but then I feel like they wouldn't have pushed Black Mask and, and Zaz as far as they did. I will give you that. Yeah, I, I think... Like, I feel like Victor Zaz is a character, like, oh, I hated him. I mean, he, he did a good job because I did hate him so much. Yeah, he's d- entirely despicable. Yeah. And I, that's actually one of my favorite things about this movie is just how, like, despicable all the male characters are. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to hang and on the... he's just like this insect in your ear. It's like... Yeah. He's, no, he's just so gross. But I, I do want to hang on the radar thing for a little bit because I think... I think... I mean, the the way we saw it the most prominently utilizing the, the rating was just in the swearing. Yeah. Like, everyone's saying fuck all the way through the whole thing. Some of the violence is a little intense, but 
not so much so that it really felt extreme. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like where all the blood was. There really isn't a lot. Yeah. Which is a little bit surprising because I feel like the one thing you can do great with a blockbuster like this, if you push it to R rating, is you can actually really acknowledge the the cost of the violence. And given that this movie, probably more so than a lot of other superhero movies, really does acknowledge just like the consequence of actions and isn't shy about it, I was kind of surprised that it didn't maybe really try and make a lot of the violence a bit more extreme and uh, highlight it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I don't know. I, I liked where it was. Cause I feel like I enjoyed this movie because it didn't feel serious. Okay. Um, I mean, especially compared to the rest of the DC films, <laughs> this yeah. one felt the most like. Whimsical. Opposite. Yes. Whimsical and, and the, whatever the opposite of realism is. Oh, why, we, why can we, we why can we never remember neoclassical? This? Thank you. No, that's not it. That, Why can we never remember the, the the term? Um, uh, uh, mm, so it's an F. I think so. Uh, formalism. I think so. <laughs> that sounds right. This would be a better recurring bit if it was intentional. One, yeah, two, formalism and realism. It, it yes, didn't yes, involve formalism. us having to take a pause to look it up every time. Formalism, yes. You no, know, I would agree that it is the more, yeah, one of the more uh, formalist, would that yes. be the, the, the adjective version. Sure. Yeah. Um, Especially like the moment, I, I feel like the tone set when Ace Chemicals goes up is like a good tone of like, it's just like a fireworks show. Yeah. See, I, I, I liked that. And then I feel like a point you're going to make is um, you have all these fun, happy things going on. And then my least favorite part of the movie is just the drag that is Renee Montoya. So I, I like Renee Montoya in this, actually. It's a, it's a bit of a different take on the character. I, I enjoy it. I just feel like it's so distant from every other character in this, in this universe. I, I think it helps bring a, a bit of a balance that everyone's not quite so heightened. But mm-hmm. I think it does highlight for me was a bit of a tonal inconsistency in this. Yeah. And it's not quite as totally messy as, say, Suicide Squad. But the movie opens with, like, the whole animated sequence recapping Harley's story, which I really enjoyed. And then I I really like, as it's going through, she comes across a new person and, like, it highlights that person's grievance with her. Mm -hmm. It makes it just feel, like, a little bit jointed and disjointed and weird. And it fits Harley's mindset since she is our, our narrator of the whole thing. Yeah. But it also wasn't consistent in its weirdness and it's fun. Like I, I feel like there are kind of two movies clashing here a little bit. Okay. I think there's the more fun whimsical movie that is highlighted by like some of the dialogue and the animated sequences and the, like the breaking on the GCPD, which is like really big and bright and fun and colorful. And then I think there's also a really good story they're telling, basically calling out, toxic masculinity especially as it manifests itself in the villains i think like that's one of the best things this movie is just how fucking terrible black mask and victor's as are yeah um it was also uh mentioned by ashley clark because i i messaged her like hey what'd you think about the the movie because i always love getting her perspective on it and one of the things she highlighted was that sequence where uh black mask has the freak out and 
like makes the girl like he like cuts away the girl's dress or makes her like, her boyfriend cut away the dress mm-hmm. and how just really cringeworthy and uncomfortable it is and a great point Ashley brought up is that nothing about that scene is sexy. Right. That if it were a male director, that might have been a bit more like you don't even see the gratuitous. No, you don't. You don't see anything about her. You just see his reaction. Yeah, all of their reactions to it, and just how uncomfortable everyone is, and it just goes to show that like Black Mask is just a fucking awful person. Mm-hmm. And I liked that it went there. I like that it's like there are really is there a single decent male character in the entire thing. So we see. So I mean, the main ones are Black Mask and Zaz, who are yeah. obviously awful, right? There's Montoya's deta- like um, chief, who who always takes credit, who takes credit for, there's, her, and it's kind of a hole. Partner who just is an idiot. Yeah. Um. There is uh, Cassandra Kane's dad, who's uh, just always fighting with the mom. Wait, we don't, we don't see them, but we wait, hear them. Wait, it's Cassandra Kane's. Oh, so, like her foster parents. Yes. Sorry. Okay, yeah, I was yeah, gonna yeah. say because that's something I do want to talk about is who. Cassandra Kane in the comics, her actual parents are right. It's a big deal, and it's not even talked about here at all. Uh, uh, um, Huntress's uh, dad. Uh, no, yeah, no, I, I guess the mom is the one that gives her the the, uh, the 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 brother, the little brother. Okay, so okay, so there's one character, the little <laughs> brother, who is murdered <laughs> before he gets a chance to become awful because he is part of like the wealthiest crime family in all of Gotham. So right. clearly, they're not great people. There's one of the henchmen for the rival crime family that saves Helena and takes her to Italy to go train. So mm-hmm. I guess he's okay, but I mean that's kind of like a, rede- a little mini redemption yeah. story for him. So it's so it's only American men. Uh, yeah, I mean because there's even the 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 guy who owns the the Chinese food restaurant. Oh yeah, he's great. But he ends but he, up yeah, he, he ends, ends up betraying Harley. Yeah. But like I mean, so like there's no really upstanding male characters in the whole thing. Which I actually really like that because I think it ties well into the th- the whole theme is like it's because that's the most realistic part of the story. Honestly, it is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And it also ties in so thematically well of the idea of like this is Harley breaking away from the Joker and like doing her own thing, and so it's her breaking out of a really toxic relationship. So it kind of makes sense that a lot of the male characters around here also be toxic because like the the whole point of this, and I think one of the best parts about it is that the whole movie is really about all of the female characters, like basically having to put themselves in the line to help save another woman. Mm-hmm. Like that's how black Canary and Harley end up kind of teaming up initially. Right. Is like, she sees that she's getting kidnapped by these like sleazy guys and she goes and beats the shit out of them. Like, I love that. Yeah. Like, and even, you know, uh, it's black mask and Zazzer after Cassandra Kane and it's Harley having like, okay, fine, I'll go and help you sort of thing. Like, I love that idea of it. Like the, the camaraderie between all of them, I thought was really fantastic. Yeah. Have you gotten to that episode of sex ed yet? I'm at, I'm like halfway through season two. Okay. Is it in season two? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm very excited for that now. Mm-hmm. That is a great show. It's great. It's, it keeps continuing to be amazing. Yeah. I know I plugged it last week, but this is like a, a soft plug once again. It's so, oh, cause, cause now you've met, um, the other, the other guy. Oh, the French guy? Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's got the worst haircut. Oh, it's the, it's horrible. It's, it's it's so bad. It's Oh, that's not true. It's not as bad as Charlize Theron's Fast 9 haircut. <laughs> it's terrible. But no, go watch Sex Education. Um, but no, I mean, I I think the, the story it's telling there about the consequence of toxic masculinity and breaking away from it are really, really great and really well done. And I like that story. I like that it's being done in a huge like blockbuster comic book movie. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's delivering a much more effective message than, say, Joker. Yeah, I agree. There, there was a review that I watched the other day where like, someone was complaining about how can people hate Joker when this is the same kind of horrible action with just a, like, a more light beat tone. I'm like, what? what do you mean this is the same horrible no. action? Th- this... They don't shoot anyone in this. Yeah, like the only – yeah, I mean, yeah, so I guess the only people who get shot are – the bad guys, yeah. Well, the the Bertinelli's, but and also again, kind of bad like guys. realism versus formalism. That word we've been that we've known for so long. Yeah, we've always known. Yeah, it's like Joker is bad because it's it you know it's like taking a camera and just following a real person. Yeah, well, like you're not gonna see a girl enter uh, a police department with a confetti cannon, which is so good. Yeah, well, but I think it's a good point too. Is like Joker. Joker is about terrible people doing terrible things, but it also doesn't really effectively call out how problematic that is. Mm-hmm. It, like, the, I'm not going to go on a whole Joker rant again, but like, kind of like I said back then, my big problem with that movie was that at the end of the day, it was still glorifying a character that should not be glorified. And I think here it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. It's like no one's going to come out of this going like, oh, Black Mask is awesome. Like Ewan McGregor is great. He's having so much fun. He's having so much fun. He's weird. He's quirky. But like he's also he's such a good dancer. He's a great dancer. But also like he he clearly went into this knowing like this character is not going to be portrayed in any sort of real positive way. Like you're really happy when he gets blown the fuck up at the end. Yeah. Because he deserves that. He deserves a really insane death. If anything, Victor Zaz, his death probably not extreme enough oh not even close no he deserved much much worse than he got so i love that it was daring in that way and i, I mean it sounds weird to say that i think ewan mcgregor is like one of the best parts of this but i think he's just putting in a really good performance yeah and he again he got he has the dance moves he does well and i liked that they took someone who has an inherent charm and let that charm play out, but then also completely undercut it mm-hmm. in really effective ways. Well, because when you first meet him, he seems like he's like not that bad of a guy. Yeah. He seems like, oh, he's like, he's weird. And he's kind of intense. And yeah, he's like cutting people's faces off, but he's like, he's charming yeah, in a he's way got, like he's a villain that, like, is charming. Twinkle. Yeah. He's got that twinkle in his smile. But then you're like, oh no, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, you, you see the turn yeah. of like the second someone steps like away from him. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? How dare you? You're you're going against me now. Yeah, it's like oh yeah. He's scary. Mm-hmm. Like he's legitimately really really uh, horrifying and scary. And I think actually let let's talk about some, okay. Let me go with this. I'm trying to decide if I want to talk about the good things or some of the critiques. You you've been you've been pretty positive so far. So okay, I think we'll get into like my, what my major problem with this is, mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll get back to the the stuff that does work really well. But I think at the end of the day, the biggest problem with this movie is that. The movie itself is actually pretty fine. Yeah, there's like some tonal inconsistencies for me that I didn't quite love. But I think what makes it, what undercuts the most is the lack of a cohesive outside universe. So here, Black Mask is essentially taking the role of the Joker, Mm -hmm. right? Like the Joker in the DCAU, we've talked about this a lot, is charming and charismatic and interesting. And you kind of get why Harley would fall in love with him. But they also show how he is horrible to her and he's a really terrible person and they they do a really good job of showing like both sides of him that way and they do a good job with that with black mask here but for me what it shows is that what this movie's missing is the joker like it's a movie where he is supposed to have this really 
extreme presence. Like I liked the idea that Harley even continues to use him as a safety blanket after they break up because she knows that she's untouchable as long as I, I, they're yeah, together. I, I loved that, and I felt like that was enough of Joker that we needed. I, I mean, I, I think for me, because that that is his presence being shown, and then even like when she brings Cassandra to her apartment, and she's like, "Oh, who's that guy?" It's like, "How do you not? Like, you don't know Mister J?" And I think for me that didn't work because we don't know the Joker. Like you and I know the Joker because we've seen so many different iterations of him. We can pull that from all these different places. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is like this movie is actively jettisoning so many aspects of Suicide Squad, which is a good call. Yeah. But it has to keep so many of them that like this still has to be the Jared Leto version of the Joker. But also we've thrown out that version of the Joker and he's not in this movie at all. Right. So we actually – and we don't really know that version that well. Like we only know the things we know in Suicide Squad – but this movie is different enough that it kind of needed a bit of his presence somewhere in there. Like I didn't really buy that moment of like, oh yeah, this one kid doesn't know the Joker, but it's not like we actively really feel his presence. It's a little bit too background for someone to call out what a big deal he is. I I, I was coming in with the idea that this was just like a soft reset. I mean, it totally is. It, it, it is. But I, because for me, I, I wanted to see this where I saw this movie with the idea of it's not connected at all. It's just a coincidence that it's the same actress playing Harley. And so even coming in that way, seeing the Captain Boomerang poster, that felt weird for me. Mm -hmm. Of like, oh, they are still trying to keep this connected. Well, yeah, because she's still in the next Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, but again, I, I wanted that to be just like a, a reset. And I, and I think that's ultimately what this, the whole problem that this stems from. It's, this is a movie where the Joker is is has a prominent presence, but isn't ever on screen in any real meaningful way. It's a movie that acknowledges like Batman exists and that Bruce Wayne is out there, but also as it exists right now, it's like, wait, what version of Bruce Wayne and Batman is this? Like, is it the Ben Affleck version? Like, and again, these are problems with at the end of the day, Warner Brothers and studio, not the film. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately this movie for me would have worked a little bit better if it felt like a pocket storyline in a more cohesive universe. Like, and I think that's a space that DC could help differentiate themselves from Marvel. Like Marvel knows how to do everything super well connected, but to a degree it actually makes it difficult because you can't do kind of offshoots a little bit. Like this would have been a great offshoot if in the background, like we actually saw, like there was a version of Bruce Wayne that we already knew and had seen do his own stories. And like, we just saw a picture of him somewhere back there. Mm -hmm. Or if it's a movie where, we're at the GCPD and we walk past and we see commissioner Gordon and they're like having a conversation with bulk or something like that. Or if we get to see the Joker for a little bit, right? Like if all of those pieces were kind of interwoven through there, it would have felt a little bit less like they had to write around them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like I agree with all that. Um, one of the things I really appreciated about this is, uh, cause you, it, it kind of jogged my, my memory when you said a pocket storyline, mm -hmm. this is a very small story. Like, there's yeah. no portals. There's no Thank faceless minions. Fucking God. There's a couple of faceless minions. Um, I mean, there's a lot of them, but, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but they're, like, people. They're actual human. Yeah, it's not a, a horde. Yeah, it's not some weird mud horde. Um, Ugh, the it's, putties. Yeah. It's, um, it's not something big enough where you would think, like, oh, why isn't Batman getting involved? Like, oh, why isn't Superman getting involved? Yeah. Uh, where it's, it's small enough of, like, oh, yeah, I can understand of, like, I understand why Gordon's not on this. Like, it's yeah. not a huge case. It's not something where the entire GCPD should be caught up in it. Yeah. I mean, like her taking everyone out. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's uh, on such a small scale where I can understand 
why no one else would be there. Yeah, and that, I think it's very fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the stakes are high, but they're specific. Right. Which is really They're nice. high for these characters. Yeah, but not for the universe, which mm-hmm. is, like, again, that's what we were saying, like, Suicide Squad should have been. Right. Like, the finale of Suicide Squad, the whole story of Suicide Squad should have revolved around, like, the Joker as an antagonist, not this weird thing that you would clearly have, like... It should have been them flashing. trying to, like, recapture the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a good, like, a great story. Yeah, because then you have the problem with Harley, of, like, they could have just broke... Well, what was Assault in Arkham? What was their mission? They're trying to break Joker out of Arkham? They... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because Batman's trying to stop them breaking him out. Yeah. Um, it's such a better film. It is. It's and I, I, remember, film. I remember going into Assault on Arkham not liking it at all. Um, but I, I want to rewatch it now, especially after kind of this resurgence of Harley. Yeah. And um, see how they handle her as a character. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel they handled Harley as a character in this movie? I really like it. Mm-hmm. I, I think she's she's fun and just quirky enough and like a little too Deadpool little bit um i i love the moments where she kind of like breaks off and turns into harleen mm-hmm. and like does the psychoanalysis of everyone yeah i could have had like two more beats of that yeah i think um because i don't she, does she do she does it with every she doesn't do it with zaz she does it with huntress right like she does it with huntress she does it with canary she does it with um black mask black, black mask yeah i think that's it i, yeah. I could have had two more beats of it but you're, you're right it one of the things this movie does really well is that it shows how capable she is. Mm-hmm. Like she is an incredible fighter. Like she actually, and she's like, she's smart and she's clever. And I think that is highlighted well in the choreography where like, like there's a great moment where like, she throws the bat at the ground and bounces up and hits the guy in the face. Yeah. Sort of thing. Right. Or, like, Oh, that was so good. It's so good. Like where she uh. grabs, which like she, oh, I do love that moment. Of, like she's getting shot at like the cocaine flies everywhere. She's like sniffs it in and then she grabs one of the bags and like, hits it with a bat and takes the guy out like yeah again like she's she's smart she's clever she's very capable she's an excellent fighter she knows how to read people but she's still flawed and she makes mistakes mm-hmm. and like this is she's kind of cocky about it all yeah and she's weird and kooky and gets in her own way but she's also good at what she does like you buy the fact that she would actually be tr- like kind of treated seriously or maybe that she isn't treated as seriously as she should be because she's actually really good at what she does. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it is the other way. I think it's, yeah, people don't treat her as fearsome as she is Yeah, because she's been using Joker as the meat shield for so long. Yeah. That's <laughs> all he's really good for is being a meat shield. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked her a lot. Uh, I liked black canary a lot mm-hmm. too. Like again, someone who is just trying to do her own thing, but kind of like keeps getting drawn into this like bigger world. Also like an excellent fighter. Yeah. Um, I really liked like doing her best to not get wrapped up in this. Yeah. I liked too, that she, she is trying to kind of disappear a little bit and things keep pulling her out. Like, you know, we get that moment of, uh, she breaks the one glass in the bar and we get the mm-hmm. sense that she has the powers and then like for her, it's a big deal when she actually like, really uses it at the end and it's really well utilized Yeah, too. It's like, I agree. If you're going to use one like canary scream, they use it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you feel the pressure in that, like they're out of ammo. Yeah, there's still a, like you see them beat up a ton of bad guys. Yeah, but there's still so many left. It, it did seem a little bit stupid on their part to just like walk out the front door, like oh it's all no. well and fine. <laughs> like no, because it's still out there. Like Black Mask is still out there. I love that because I feel like they also all forgot. Of, like <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. all just like having another conversation. Yeah, they just forgot. It's that like was what do you mean? There's more people. Like we beat up. We thought we got everyone we already. Got everyone. Yeah, I liked that. Uh, yeah, I liked Canary. Liked. Um, 
I, d- I did like Montoya. I get what you mean about her being a, a, maybe in a slightly different movie and it's a different take on Montoya. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the fact that she's just fucking annoyed. Yeah. All the time at everyone and everything. And I thought that came through really, really well. Well, she, yeah, she, she's the mom. Yeah, she, she totally is. And I, I liked they didn't shy away from the fact that Montoya is in the comics, a lesbian, and that was like right there front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about Huntress? I think she was... Uh, it. I love her so much. But I, I don't think she to, was used to well. To be fair, you love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead so much. I love the beats that she got. I just feel like they didn't give her anything. Uh, yeah, she was not in there, but God damn it, does she have a great agent? Because she is second billing. Is she really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. that's Because I was like, wait, what? I feel like Ali Wong had like a weirdly high billing, too. Yeah, she was pretty high up there. She was like top eight, I feel like. Yeah. And I'm like, you have... Four minutes of screen time. You're barely in this. Uh, but yeah, great agent. Um, yeah, she, they gave her nothing. And she even comes in of like, I don't know what I'm doing here because no one told me anything. I haven't met our director. I haven't met anyone on the crew. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, they just gave me a crossbow and said, stand here. And I'm like, what are my lines? Like, that's it. Yeah. Okay, when, she's not utilized a lot, but when she's on screen, how'd you feel about I the love character? It. Oh, I love her so much. It's kind of like the, because she is what Bruce should be. Yeah. Of like, just have angry. no idea, be angry and have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. She's been isolated in this like mercenary camp mm-hmm. for her entire life, basically. Yeah. The last thing she remembers was she was, was she was eight ish. Yeah, her, I think so. It's so like she should still have the kind of emotional depth of an eight year old. Like Actually, I feel no, like no, she was like a, or like a young teenager. I want to okay, say okay, well, like, she would be like twelve. We'll 12, say 13. she was the same. We'll say she's a similar age to Cassandra Kane. Yeah, I think she's about that age. I feel like she should have the same emotional range as Cassandra. Oh, that'd like be both of, of them should have yeah. been this this very petty of like, why do I have to listen to you? Like you're not my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh kind of attitude towards everything. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, there's like kind of like a little bit of a rest of development going on there, but like for entirely different reasons than say like Harley, who in her own way, like is kind of childish at times. Yeah. And then Harley can call her out on that. Yeah. Um but no, I, I feel like she wasn't utilized. When, when she was on screen, I was happy. I don't think she had great dialogue. No, I, I, I don't think the writing of this movie was amazing. I feel like it, it's definitely... So have we, we haven't talked about the name change yet. No, we haven't. Okay. I, I think them changing the name is more accurate to what the movie should be. Yeah, so for those of you... Because this is not a Birds of Prey movie. Yeah, for those of you unaware, like, the, as I said at the beginning, the original title of the film, as it was released, was Birds of Prey, and then it addresses Harley yeah, Quinn. Yeah, colon, Harley Quinn story. Yeah. Um, it's been changed, I guess, in some theaters to in, help... In three theater chains. Okay, but like the major ones, though. I think you said yeah, AMC... Yeah, AMC, Cinemark, and um, Regal. Okay, yeah. So the, the big chains are now um, changing the name to Harley Quinn, colon... Birds, of, Birds Prey. of Prey. Yeah. And and Warner Brothers has come out and said this isn't because we're not making any money. We promise it's not it is. that. Yeah. Because the movie is still not making any money. It's it's not it's not doing great. It I, made a hundred million dollars less than Suicide Squad. Yeah. Like that's the perspective we're in. Well, that's crazy. However, we have talked about the fact that Suicide Squad was an excellently marketed film. It was. That incredibly like, well. To this like we rewatched that trailer recently. Yeah. And we're like, fuck, this is a good trailer. 
I know how bad this movie is. <laughs> I kind of want to watch it. There was, uh, I think I messaged you about this. There was a, a forum going on in a Facebook group, in the Great Mates Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Of like, what is the best trailer ever and does the movie hold up? Yeah. And basically every other comment was a DC trailer. A lot of good DC trailers. That We should maybe do that as a bonus episode. I think that'd be really fun to dive into that because there's there's some great trailers out there. Like there are still some movies I will still go back and watch the trailers for. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, like the Watchmen trailer. Oh, I, like, think... I bought the song because that trailer. Yeah. Was so good. I listen to that song all the time. Yeah. I still listen to it quite a bit. Actually. Like those watch, both the Watchmen trailers are really so great. Good, yeah. Um, I'm still a huge fan of the first Superman returns teaser trailer came out. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen that one. It's really bit. good. We'll, we'll watch it uh, after we're done recording, but it, it really well utilizes, um, the planet Krypton theme from the original movie. Okay. And then also some of the dialogue from uh, Marlon Brando. It's like just a really beautifully constructed trailer. But yeah, I think we should do an ep- something on that at one point, mm-hmm. but like Suicide Squad, very, very well marketed. I think this wasn't quite as well marketed. No, I feel like a lot of people coming in were, I think also having the, the background knowledge of Suicide Squad didn't kept help. a lot of people away. Yeah. Because I, I think Suicide Squad, the marketing was trying to trick you into thinking it was a movie that it wasn't. I mm-hmm. think the marketing for this movie was pretty accurate in terms of what we got. I just think that it's it's still a little bit inconsistent. I mean, the marketing wasn't super yeah on point. I did like the um like the like the classical art posters that were popping up all over town. Like the, the like the Venus, what's the, the classic like it's the Venus de Milo. Venus de Milo, yeah. Or yeah. The, wait, which one are you talking about? The um, the painting of like the the, okay, the yeah, woman Venus in the, the Venus mm-hmm. in the clamshell yeah right like mm-hmm. they basically riffed on that which I thought was kind of clever yeah birth of Venus birth of Venus thank mm-hmm. you yeah because Venus de Milo is the, the statue statue thank you mm-hmm. uh, you studied art I didn't I did I also <laughs> just watched the Simpsons episode where it's the the gummy de Milo the gummy de Milo but uh, we we were looking up uh, how Birds of Prey is doing it's it's not doing great. A hundred million dollars less. Right. Yeah. So thirty. That's insane. Thirty-three million over its opening weekend. Uh, it's the worst of the DC extended universe quote-unquote films. So Shazam was fifty-three. Suicide Squad was one hundred thirty-three. Um, and then uh, Birds. It's I guess it's now reached like closer to eighty million. Yeah. And the estimated budget was eighty-two. Um, so it still would have to clock in around like 160 to 200 to like really be considered profitable. But it's also, it's just not, I think getting the traction they really wanted out of it. Yeah. And a lot of people are blaming like, Oh, it's just cause it's February, but like, no black Panther came out in February. Deadpool yeah. came out in February. Let's see. It looks like it's going to get a, maybe about a 50% drop, which is uh, okay. Aquaman was only 23. Wonder Woman was 45, but BVS was 69 <laughs> Nice. Suicide Squad was sixty. Nice. nice. Was sixty-seven. I think. I mean, I, I, I don't think it. I I understand that a lot of people are kind of split on this movie. Even if even with that idea, I think this movie is doing vastly under what it should be doing. I would agree with that. I I am not as keen on it as you or as uh, some of the other people that have written in with some opinions. That being said, I don't think it's. Bad. I, I'll watch this movie again. I will. I will most likely never watch uh, Suicide Squad again. I'll no. probably never watch Man vs. Man of Steel again. Although or um, BVS again, we're eventually going to. Why? Because we're gonna at some point start doing the live action movies. That's we keep, true. We keep threatening to do it. Yeah, <laughs> but don't worry, that's like years down the yeah, line. Yeah, don't put that knife up to my throat yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just put that away. Yeah. Um, but but like, I'll I'll watch this again. Like if 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 there's nothing else on a plane, I'll turn this on a plane. I think. 
I don't see myself watching this again in the same way. Like I really have no interest in watching, say, like Aquaman or Shazam again. They're all a little bit forgettable for me. But mm-hmm. when we eventually revisit them to do the the movies, I'm not gonna be like upset that I'll be rewatching it. I will. Yeah. I will definitely end up rewatching the GCPD sequence again. Actually, you know, I might end up watching it just to see the fight sequences again, and maybe just see if I'm a little bit warmer on it a second time around. Mm-hmm. Not in theaters, but I would be maybe open to watching yeah. watching this again. But I, I, I want it to be doing better than it is because here's the real tragedy of what's going to happen. Like, maybe the movie wasn't super well marketed. Maybe people were put off because of Suicide Squatters. The DC films in general have been great. But what, for whatever reason this isn't doing well, ultimately it's going to get blamed on the wrong things. Right. It's going to get blamed on being... A female led, which yeah. we all know is not true. It's going to get blamed on Kathy Yan, the director. This is only her second film. And I don't think the things that don't work for me, I don't necessarily think are her fault. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the issues I have ultimately probably stem from more studio interference because we know Most that likely, yeah. Warner Brothers does not know what they're doing with these movies. But what's probably going to end up happening is that it's now less likely to say that we're going to get a sequel to this, which I would watch a sequel for Birds of Prey. I would watch a sequel for like a Harley story, especially if they bring in Poison Ivy, which I know Absolutely. they, they really want to do. I wish they would have had some reference to Poison Ivy. Yeah, I I wish there's something in here too. Does she make any reference to her about like meeting up with her in Arkham or anything like that? I don't that? think so. Not that I can recall. Um, I'm, I get why they chose this. I guess Margaret Robbie has said that she really wanted to get Birds of Prey made instead of like say – Gotham City Sirens, which would have been uh, Poison Ivy and Catwoman because she wanted lesser-known characters. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad. I, I like the versions they do of Black Canary and Montoya and Huntress enough that I would want to see more Absolutely, of them. yeah. I think the thing that sucks is now that – this movie takes swings, and they don't always work for me, but I like that they did that. And I think we're going to see less movies like this get made. Mm-hmm. We're going to see more movies like Joker. I know. I really again, don't like we have, that. We have another situation where realism is making more money than formalism, and that's yeah. going to push Hollywood in the wrong direction. Yeah. Again, just fucking people watch Speed Racer and realize that formalism is great. <laughs> Speed Racer is great, but I also kind of wish this movie had maybe leaned a little bit heavier into that. Like, I wanted to feel a bit more comic booky. Oh, I was I was going to say for a formalist movie, there's. Almost no CGI in this outside of which I, which I like. Yeah, yeah. The, the hyena. Yeah, I, they do a pretty good job with the hyena. It, he's great. Yeah, I also really like just that the hy- the hyena exists. Yeah, it's, that he's in fun. like a <laughs> uh, in a bathtub. Yeah, in her apartment, <laughs> eating only candy. Just eating candy, and they they are really good about throwing in like the hyena laugh when they need to, and like actually having it play pretty well. Mm-hmm. I love that he's in there. Um, so th- there was a shot in the trailer that wasn't in. Um, the movie. Which one? When she walks into the group with Bruce, and everyone is like, "Is that a hyena?" Oh she yeah, like, I guess yeah. I guess it was cut out. Yeah, because because I was waiting for that moment, and then when Bruce was like quote unquote dead, I'm like, "Oh shit!" Were you, were you <laughs> it also, hit me a little more. I was upset. I was like, "No!" Yeah, I like Bruce. That hunky Wayne fella. Hunky Wayne fella. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I would rather. I feel like for me. This movie didn't quite land, but I would want to see more. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the same way that like, like Power Rangers kind of that way for me too. Like I like that movie a lot, and I wanted to see more of it. Like I, I feel, you feel like maybe the second time around they could work through some of the kinks. Right. I'm just worried that won't happen here. I don't think it will. At most, I could see a sequel or a spinoff coming to DC Universe or more likely HBO Max. Yeah. 
But I would still rather know what's going to happen to DCU when HBO yeah. Max launches. But I think I'd still rather see this done as a movie. Me too. And and I mean, it's worth acknowledging too, like the Harley Quinn show also now exists, mm-hmm. and and is better than this. It is better. It is where I am. Yeah. So I'm not I'm, fully caught up yet. I'm caught up. So as of the time this podcast comes out, it will be one episode away. So the finale mm-hmm. is yet to air, and I'm caught up. The further the show gets, when it, more plot comes into play, the less it kind of works for me. I liked it a little bit better when it was um, more just kind of like little capers. Well, it's the stuff that we've been joking about. It's the the villain real estate agent. Yeah, it's it's They're a like, weird little thing. So yeah. Also, their version of Bane is probably my favorite version of Bane because like yeah. no one takes him seriously at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you reached the episode yet where he keeps wanting to try to blow up the smoothie? I don't think place? so. It's so- Oh, that might, I, I next, love, that might be the next episode. Okay, it's really I, I good love bit. King Shark. Uh, Ron Funches yeah. is so good in he's that so, show. He's such a great guy. Um, yeah, he's the like people always just put me in that stereotype. I'm just I'm just the tech guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a vicious man eating shark, mm-hmm. and then he does it sometimes. <laughs> and it's so good. But like, I think I mean that show and this movie are doing two very very different things, and I think this movie specifically wanted to tell a story about the consequences of toxic masculinity, especially on women and mm-hmm. like how much women have to look out for each other to survive. And I think it does a really good job with that. I think by contrast, Holly Quinn, the show is much more about someone going through a breakup. Yeah. Specifically well, with, with the show, you have the advantage of Harley is the butt of every joke. Yeah. But she, but like in the movie though, she's still proven to be very, very capable. Yeah. But it's always at her expense, whereas this, the movie is is kind of half that. Yeah. Um, but half just like the other problem. Like Gotham feels like a fine place and she's just kind of messing it up in the series. Yeah. Whereas this is like Gotham's already bad and she's just kind of caught up in, in some of the bad. Yeah, she's just one of the pieces. Yeah. And sometimes she makes it worse, sometimes she makes it less worse. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, the show for me is it takes a bit better advantage of being designed for mature audience. Like they're, I think they are much more creative, like their use of swearing. It's also mm-hmm. much more heightened. Oh yeah. And, way, and they have way, the way, advantage way of it's, it's for us. It's for the specific yeah. fans of like Batman. It, you wouldn't in a movie have Kite Man be such a significant presence. I fucking love they the, do <laughs> the relationship with them. Such a great job with Kite Man. I love how just Poison Ivy feels so bad. She clearly doesn't like that she likes this guy, but yeah. she does genuinely really like him. At the yeah, because I, I just had the episode where they go on the date. Oh. Um, <laughs> Uh, and he opens his kite in the restaurant. In the restaurant. <laughs> he's like, can you just put that away? He's like, well, you know, there's like a whole hydraulic system thing. It, it you know, it, it, it takes a little bit. Yeah. It's like, because that version of Kite Man, like, he is, like, stupid and kind of a bro, but he's also, he's not problematic. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very harmless yeah in his broiness he's not a he's not a fuck boy no he's not per se he's trying to be <laughs> he's trying but he's falling so far short yeah and i i i like him a lot i i think that that version of harley in particular works really well for me i was a little bit skeptical going in because like the dco version is like definitively the best mm-hmm. but and i kind of like that 
Kaylee Cuoco's just kind of doing her voice. Yeah. Like, it's just... She's not trying to put on a voice. Yeah, it's, like, yelly and shouty, but that's what the character is. Yeah. And I think, for me, sometimes the Margot Robbie voice doesn't quite land. It's a little weird. Okay. But I think that their version of Harley in that show works. I also think it's the best version of Poison Ivy we've ever gotten. Oh, she's great. Just the supportive... Yeah. It's like, yeah, just do be crazy. I'll clean up. Just, you know, get it all out. She She's the supportive, rational person that isn't a villain and also keeps pointing out like um is protecting the environment villainous yeah. i really don't quite <laughs> understand why you guys think this is so evil like i'm actually just literally trying to save the planet so yeah. thank you for that thank you for loving me in like mm-hmm. she doesn't want anything to do with the, the legion of doom uh and like I, I think we were both kind of skeptical going into both of these projects yeah and you more so for the movie than me but like they both turned out pretty like they're better. fun like they're yeah. fun things yeah, I think for me the the show especially, but like so for do you think though that the show and the movie are separated enough and have a different enough audience for them to coexist or do you think that now we're going to create a situation where maybe one or the other is going to get compromised in favor of the other? I think because the movie's doing so poorly, it, it will be compromised. Um but no having them side by side, I feel like they're different enough where like the Harley series is like you said it's harley's breakup story yeah whereas the movie is margot robbie being harley yeah like that that is how they advertise it and we we were or i was i'm I'm sure i think you were on the same page uh i was a little upset with the advertising where we didn't see any of the other characters but now it makes sense of this is this is harley quinn colon birds of prey it's a harley quinn show birds of prey colon harley quinn story yeah Okay, so actually, that's an interesting point. Do you think this movie... Is there a version of this movie that's actually a Birds of Prey story and Harley is in a sort of semi-antagonistic, semi-supportive role in the background? And would you be interested in that movie? Do you think it works better the way they did it this way with her being the front and center? I think we could have had the same story from... Black Canary's perspective mm-hmm. and make that the Birds of Prey movie. Okay. Uh, where she she hears kind of the murmurs of this breakup and then she sees Harley kind of running rampant through the club, still under the guise of the meat shield of Joker. Yeah. Um and then it kind of, then you kind of see the sympathy come in in the net you you don't have the Harley backstory part yet. It just goes from that scene to the next morning where Harley's still out back about to be kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And then um, Black Canary is like, all right, I'll fucking save her, I guess. Yeah. And then you unveil like, oh, the breakup is real. Oh, everyone is after her now. Mm-hmm. And you can still add in the humor bits of like, oh, I, like we have to go to this place. They have the best breakfast sandwich. You can keep that whole joke in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would be kind of, interested in the version where harley is like the supporting character Mm -hmm. like who doesn't have to carry the narrative weight and arc around and she just gets to be there and be super fun and steal every single scene that she's in yeah but that being said that movie would never get made because they need to have her the front and center because she's popular enough to actually get the right right answer i I was gonna say like we could have that in the next suicide squad but no it's just gonna be more of the harley story which i'm not upset about i feel like that came off tonally wrong um, Suicide Squad will be a continuation of Harley Harley Quinn colon the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad colon Harley Quinn's here too. Harley Quinn's here too. Like, yeah. No, 
Yeah, I don't. Hmm. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens going forward if we get another movie or any other kind of spinoffs out of this. Um, I I actually don't know how well Harley Quinn is doing on the platform. I, I think it's critically doing quite well. I mean, pretty much anyone I talk to absolutely loves it. It's 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 holding like eighty percent on both critic and fan vote on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, I kind of see why because like it. And I think maybe part of the reason I'm less keen on the movie is because the show exists and the show has all these characters in the background. Like Batman exists in the background. The Joker is a actual character, you know, and it it goes deep in terms of its cuts yeah. and pulls them all out and versus having to write around them. I think that works for me a little bit better. Like if that show feels like its own really deep universe, even though it actually isn't spun off from anything else. Right. It's entirely its own thing. Um, there was the uh, the one. There was a cameo in this movie that everyone is flipping out over, and I'm a little frustrated of how deep we are into Batman now, where we didn't get to appreciate the like the not outrage, but like the overjoy of the Arlene Sorkin moment. I was gonna ask if you caught that. Of course, I caught it. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who watched made, it fucking six times in I know. the past well, I, I think, two years. I think that's the thing is you and I are probably some of the few people who actually would have spotted that because we actually had to go look up that photo for, for so this many podcast. Times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a great moment when uh, they are, I think it's when they're leaving her apartment when it's under attack, right? Yeah. And as they're walking out, the TV is playing an episode of Days of Our Lives, and it's the episode featuring Arlene Sorkin as a Harlequin-esque character that inspired Bruce Timm and Paul Dini to create Harley Quinn and to get Arlene Sorkin to do the voice. Yeah. And like that is maybe like the deepest cut imaginable. It's the it's the deepest cut you could have for Harley Quinn. Yes, and I love they included it in there, and I love that it's like it is perfectly positioned that you if you see it you'll recognize if you see it and know what it is. Yeah, it's there and it's prominent enough to notice it, but otherwise you would not even give it a second. You yeah, wouldn't think about it. Yeah, it's it's a great great little moment. Like that was one of my favorite moments in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like little things in this that, that I really liked. I really liked the moment where uh, Harley gives Canary a hair tie during the fight. Yeah. Like yeah, I, that, that was very, very genuine. I don't, I don't know where, I think it was a tweet I saw where at some point, like this is clearly what happens when you have a female director making an action movie. It's yeah. like, she would have that little nod of like, Oh yeah. And like, here's this thing. Mm-hmm. Which I really, really love. Like, how are you fighting without a hair tie right now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that Harley does like the whole fight on roller skates. Yeah. That's and so she's fun. really good at it. It's like, I think it's Canary points out like, did she like when did she do a shoot? Change? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, you know, it, it I it I guess the more I talk about it, the more I actually do like it. Well, cuz cuz we aren't talking about the the kind of drags. We we're talking about the fun like most of this movie is very fun, but most there are is. moments yeah. of like I feel like the Cassandra Kane part is kind of flat. The yeah. Montoya part I'm still not a big big I, fan of. And and Cassandra Kane they went for a very different approach on her, or at least the, the version I know from the comics is the one that appeared during the No Man's Land arc after the, the Great Earthquake destroys Gotham and basically it becomes like a, a free-for-all war zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that version, Huntress shows up in like the war-torn Gotham dressed in the um, the full the full like bodysuit, black and yellow. You can't see her face. Gotcha. And she's pretending to be Batgirl, and Batman knows who it is, and eventually she leaves. And then Cassandra Kane, who is the daughter of David Kane, like one of the world's best assassins. I think maybe Lady Shiva. I'm not 100% certain on that. Someone okay. will probably correct me. But she comes from a, like, a heritage of assassins, and she's uh, mute. I don't remember if she's physically mute or she just doesn't talk. 
but obviously it's harder to do on screen, but it's a very different characterization here. I kind of feel like it could have been anyone other than Cassandra Kane. I feel like this, this is supposed to be female Tim Drake. Uh, or Jason, uh, Jason, Jason Todd, Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Todd, yeah. Yeah, I can see that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like that character. I think she's fun, and she's a good foil for Harley. Yeah, I just uh, feel like giving her the name. I think it's just having the name Cassandra Kane. Yeah. Like, if they'd given her any other, given just, like, a, someone else. Yeah. I, I think they did it just because they wanted to, like, be like, hey, there's a Batgirl-ish in this. Yeah. Um, but, like, that even sort of sets up the potential disappointment of, like, a, a future Birds of Prey movie. It's like, well... Does Batgirl exist in this universe? There's talk about maybe doing a movie at some point. Like, mm-hmm. I would love it if a Birds of Prey sequel also included Batgirl or Oracle. I really love Barbara. Yeah, when she's I, Oracle. I, I really wish that that was another nod we would have had of like, just like some something in the GCPD to re- like to reference Oracle. Yeah, and I, again, that, for me, that's those moments I feel like they were kind of writing around it. Um, you probably need to wrap up pretty soon, right? Should we like steer towards a yeah, we, we can start steering. Okay. Because I, I think I'm pretty tapped. Okay. I have all my notes out. Yeah. No, like, I I would have loved it if it had felt... I would have loved the sort of, like, depth and texture of the universe you get out of Marvel in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it just would have been a bit better. But again, that's not really the fault of Kathy Yan or Margaret Robbie or any of the, the people who, like, did... Yeah. Or it's Chad Stahelski, who did, like, really great work on yeah. it. Yeah. So. It's the, the the critique we've had forever, and it's the, the lack of Kevin Feige. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really it, it does make a difference. It, you really do need someone like steering the the ship, and I I feel like if you have someone who can come in and help steer the ship, and then also like give a lot of rain and be supportive of filmmakers coming up with their own vision, then all of this stuff would just land a little bit better than it does, and it wouldn't be quite so forgettable. Yeah. Uh, but we did get some outside perspective on this, as okay. we love to do. Uh, so I. Um, mention Ashley Clark's review, like a, a comment she made earlier, but the, the full thing she sent me, which is fantastic as always, is uh, I don't mean to be that person, but I suppose I am that person. I really enjoyed the movie. Great. Uh, so that being said, I simultaneously uh, got teary and fucking mad because of uh, one of those movies that you can just tell that was made by a woman and it highlights a void in media that it hurts to remember exists, which I think is a really good point. Like I the think, lack of hair ties, yeah. But, well, I mean, but yeah, like little moments like that. And I, I mean, it, it's obviously like we're too cis men sitting here talking about this, but I mean, even we're able to pick up on how like distinctive this feels because it had such a creative force behind it that was female driven. And it really makes a big difference. Same thing with Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Like you really feel that. And Ashley has got a really good point. It's like, it does just further highlight the need for more of that fucking book smart. Yeah. Tangent here. Uh, Captain Marvel, the original directors, Anna Bode and Ryan Fleck aren't coming back. People are talking about who could fill that void. How would you feel if Olivia Wilde did Captain Marvel 2? I'm down. I think it'd be amazing. I'd be a little bit worried about her, like, not getting to do her own stuff because she has such a distinct vision. But I would, if, I'm not saying she has to do that movie, but my God, if that was the announcement that Olivia Wilde was directing Captain Marvel 2, that would all of a sudden become my most anticipated MCU film. I also want to toss out Natalie Portman's dress really quick. Oh, yes, from the Oscars. Was so, we didn't do any Oscar talk. That's fine. That's fine. Um, I didn't even watch them. Yeah. uh, 19, no, uh, Irishman got none, which I think is funny because that was the one you expected to have the most. Did it actually get none? It got no nominate, it got no awards. Kind of happy with that, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Parasite came out with the most at four. Yeah, and one, which no one expected, which is pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah, amazing. It fucked yeah. up pretty much everyone's Oscar <laughs> votes, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Uh, but, uh, no, for people who didn't see, Natalie Portman had, uh, it wasn't on her dress. It was like a cape almost. Okay. Um, 
where in the seam of the front of the of the the fabric uh, was embroidered all of the female directors that got snubbed in the Oscars. Yeah, and I'm like that's fucking awesome. No, it's it's true. I mean, I I haven't seen Little Women yet, but I'm gonna go try and find it to go because I've heard mm-hmm. it's really really good. But it's like, I mean, a movie that is getting Best Picture nominations and acting nominations, all this other it, stuff. It, not, it came not, out with two Oscars, I think. Yeah, but not getting Best Director is ridiculous. The mm-hmm. fact the fact that we now have to say the phrase. The Oscar-nominated filmmaker Todd Phillips mm-hmm. has hurts, Gre- me, has Greta hurts me so. Been nominated yet? Did, was she nominated she for Itania? I'm pretty sure she was nominated for Itania, or I think she was nominated for Lady Bird. That, uh, yeah, I would have to Lady double Bird. check yeah, on yeah, yeah. But like the fact that she wasn't nominated, the fact that there was no nominations whatsoever for Booksmart, which again, both of us film of the year. Um, I haven't seen The Fair yet, well yet, but I've heard that movie oh, the is was great, great, and I've yeah. heard everyone be like. Why the hell was Aquafina not given a acting nomination? Mm-hmm. Why was Lula Wang not giving a nomination? I listened to a great interview with her on the Script Notes podcast. I bet you thought I was going to say Empire. Is that part of Empire? No, it's a entirely different thing. Okay. Script Notes is great. It's um, John August and Craig Mazin, uh, two screenwriters who have been doing a podcast for like five years. And it's mm-hmm. really, really good. It's all industry stuff. Great interview with her talking about like the process of getting the movie made. Um, I was actually just listening to an interview on the Empire podcast. Uh, with there um, um, Marielle Heller, who directed uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah, that was oh, no. great. Yes, A Beautiful Day mm-hmm. in the Neighborhood. Yeah, Won't You Be My Neighbors, the, the doc. The doc, yeah. Um, but she also did uh, Diary of a 17-Year-Old. What was the title? Diary of um, the Edge of... Fuck. Are you talking about the Haley Seinfeld one? Not the Haley Seinfeld. Okay, that so that one's Edge of 17. 17. So I think okay. it's like Diary of a Teenage Girl or something like that from a few years ago. Okay. Um, with... I'm sorry, blanking on the actress's name. It's Belle something. That movie is great, but it's like, no. Uh, but like, yeah, no no real nods for any of them, which I think is really tragic. So I, I love the the fantastic shade that Natalie Portman's throwing off there because, uh, again, we didn't really talk Oscars. I will say this. I know we're like in the wrong segment for it. I think for who was nominated in general, the choices they made for winners was good. Um, oh, Belle Powley, who's mm-hmm. fantastic. And um, a card. Yeah, oh, it's got a scars guard. Everything's better with some scars guard. Uh, I think who they picked was good. I just think that the nominations were where they fell through, but the actual um, winners were pretty good. But anyways, uh, so is that what Ashley was saying? Back to Ashley was saying. <laughs> um, she said, "When Black Mask cuts the dress of the woman, I literally cried after I left the theater because she is not sexualized. Uh, her panties aren't shown. Her bra is. Uh, it's not hot, or it's a push-up bra. The." People around her, including men, look just as horrified as she is, and Black Mask is shown as most male villains are never shown as being petty as fuck and horribly narcissistic. The audience is made to feel as traumatized as she is. Again, someone's hideously mad because it just highlights how that scene would always be softcore porn in another movie. Um, she said, no, the characters aren't fleshed out. That isn't Cassandra Cain slash Wayne at all. But I again have to ask, if this were a male-directed, male-gazing movie, would it be facing all this criticism for it? Uh, I think... I should be allowed to have female-directed fucking popcorn movies, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's, like, I think the perfect way of describing this. Like, yes, we should be getting more movies like this. And I think the criticism around it is going to be for the wrong things, unfortunately. I think so, too. And I think that the the things that we should be getting more of, we probably won't, sadly. Um, But so, again, thank you, as always, for writing in, Ashley. Like, you generally are one of the people that I always want to hear your perspective on the most. We love, love it when you write in. Uh, But I also... I. Because I assumed going in that you were going to be less keen on this than I was. Like I just I don't know where I came up with that idea. I just kind of made this guess because I saw it with Jason and he was kind of with me on it, like not being super great. Uh, but I wanted one more perspective, so I reached out to my friend Sav Rogers, who is a dear friend, total sweetheart. 
Uh, he's also a really fantastic filmmaker in his own right, and mm-hmm. it just has great taste. It's like, okay, Sav, I know you've seen this movie three times. Pretty sure you're going in for a four soon. What did you think? So he wrote to me this morning uh, and said, uh, Hi, Tim Talk listeners. Uh, my good pal Chris Lore, who I can only assume is your podcasting overlord. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I'm the podcasting villain. We've established this. Yeah. Uh, Asked me to write about my thoughts on Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Buckle up because I have a lot of overwhelmingly positive thoughts. Uh, Here are a few things you should know about me when you take my review into account. Uh, Number one, I rewatch movies a lot. Some call this obsessive behavior, but I consider it part of my research as a filmmaker. I feel compelled to rewatch movies that I really like to try and understand what I love about them. Two, the movies I rewatch are ones that are personally or emotionally resonant with me. For the most part, it's the only thing that really matters to me when seeing a movie. Hell, I gave a TED Talk about how a movie mattering that much changed my life. This is absolutely true. I'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Sav has a great TED Talk about chasing Amy. That's right. And he's currently making the definitive documentary on it. So keep your ears posted for that. Uh, I go hard for these rewatch movies. For instance, I saw Molly's Game... Six times in theaters, I was a one-man Oscar campaign for it to be considered for Best Actress and Best Editing, uh, as I'm not part of the Academy at the time of writing this. Is, I is failed Molly's miserably. Game was the one that was the, uh, she was the... Jessica Chastain, right. okay, yeah, yeah, running yeah. the gambling ring. Yeah, yeah. Cause there was that, and there was um, the other Someone's Game, which was the Stephen King... Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game, okay. Yeah, uh, Molly's Game... Um, I saw Molly's Game. Molly's Game was great. Yeah, I've heard it, and it, I've heard it's really good. It's uh, Michael Sarah Air- is fucking hilarious. Oh, playing Tobey Maguire? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it's uh, written and directed by great old Aaron Sorkin. Is it really? It I is. That. Yeah, Amazing. exactly. I won't retell my story about Aaron Sorkin <laughs> on the podcast. I just did. Um, uh, but you should still watch Molly's Game for what it's worth. Uh, that all being taken into account, here's my attempt to give my spoiler-free thoughts on Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey is a dynamic tour de force. Uh, ignore all of the bullshit online. Go see this movie immediately, preferably after you're done listening to this episode of Tim Talk. Thank you, Sav. You should see it because it rules, but I also want more people to talk about it, damn it. I want. Uh, I went to a comic shop yesterday, and none of the three guys hanging out behind the counter had seen it yet. Why? That's insane. Which is insane. It's a comic movie. Go fuck. That's your job. It. It's like, it's yeah, it's like, it's why we saw Joker. It's like our fucking job. Yeah. And this is way better than that. Uh, first of all, I love an unreliable narrator. The story structure of Birds of Prey is immensely enjoyable with Harley as the storyteller. It feels like the script pulls from a genre Margot Robbie dominates, the super specific biopic where the narrator breaks the fourth wall and shit goes crazy. You know, movies like I, Tanya, The Big Short, Bombshell, and The Wolf of Wall Street. This happens to be my favorite genre of movies for what it's worth. It also contributes to the idea that this is her story about striking out on her own. Secondly, an R rating for the movie gives it incredible freedom to actually authentically tell a story from Holly's point of view. I see a lot of people complaining a lot online about how a PG-13 rating would have helped the movie do better financially, which seems asinine given how, as of today, it made $160 million worldwide. Also, Joker, rated R, made a billion, tragically. There is severe violence in the film that still feels shocking as I embark on my fourth watch of the movie, and it also feels like a Harley Quinn comic come to life. After seeing what we can have, I'm genuinely not interested in seeing watered-down versions of Harley and Friends on the big screen again. The stunts are incredible. BOP fundamentally doesn't work without these ridiculously impressive stunt people, though I am impressed by how often it actually seems to be the actors themselves taking on some of the rigorous fight choreography. The stunts really feel like they were lifted from the pages of a Harley Quinn comic. The performances are great. Everyone makes their character their own. I'm especially impressed by uh, Jernice Smollett-Bell, who plays Black Canary, who I believe I last saw as Michelle's friend in Full House. True story. (laughs) 
Uh, that's not shade. She was a delight then, and she's a delight now. Actually, I love the chemistry amongst the, the cast. It's a truly satisfying ensemble. Uh, Kathy Yan excels as a director. I'm insanely jealous. This is her only second feature film, and this movie is so good. I don't want to give anything away, but my God. It has the heart of an indie darling with the grandiose nature of a studio blockbuster. Yan and the cinematographer Matthew Lepetique truly shine together in creating a version of Gotham I would love to see again and again. Also, the sight gags made me laugh my ass off. Not sure who to give credit here for. A little more to go here, so bear with me. Something that really resonated with me was the intense vitriol of misogyny present throughout the film. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever seen it done better in a movie. And I know what you're maybe thinking, you're going to mansplain sexism to me. Well, fair point. However, being a trans guy, I spent a lot of time being treated like a woman. So I can say with some confidence that BOP unflinchingly shows how our culture's hatred of women can manifest even by people who may think they are likable to some in some contexts. Spot on point there, especially mm-hmm. about Black Mask. Also, that soundtrack, listen to it. All bobs and bangers, absolutely true. Uh, an obnoxious aspect to the film criticism is this compulsion to feel like you have to nitpick a filmmaker's work. I generally have no complaints about Birds of Prey. It works for me. While I can understand comic loyalists getting miffed about character deviations from the comic source material. You. Me. Uh, I don't have those issues with the flick. As a, a film independent of the source material, it works for me. And movies should be different from comics. They're different art forms and contribute different things to the storytelling landscape. I love how it honors comics. I dearly love while being its own unique thing. So the final verdict. I've seen it three times now in theaters, uh, once on preview night, once in its opening Friday night, and once on Valentine's Day. My expert opinion is that Margot Robbie should have exclusive, exclusive control over making live-action Harley Quinn movies. Let her produce all of them and use her star power to get the Harley Ivy rom-com action flick we deserve. 100% agree. Please go see this movie and support innovative filmmaking with the comic book genre. Thanks for listening, Tim Talkers. I hope you agree with me, but you should tell me what you think either way. I tried not to spoil anything because you only get to see a movie for the first time once. Uh, Chris, this was long as fuck, and you probably should have just flown me out to LA to be a guest for how much time I took up with love and affection, Sav Rogers. Amazing. Yes. So, uh, yeah, whenever, Sav, you're back in town again, have you come on just to guess in general because you're a delight and always love your perspective. Um, And I will put uh, Sav's... um, Social media in the uh, um, the body of the the show notes. What am I saying? Um, but yeah, thank you very much. Like, yeah, that was very insightful. I, yeah, like I I want to make sure we're getting outside perspectives other than just our own because I think myself especially tend to get tunnel vision. That yeah, being I, said, there, there was a small part of that I want to highlight. Yeah. Is is Margot Robbie the best casting choice DC has done in the past? But we'll say since Batman Begins. That's interesting. I, well, if you think since Batman Begins, then you're cutting out Heath Ledger as the Joker. You're cutting out Aaron Sorkin as Harvey Dent. You're cutting out... Um, Aaron Sorkin. Did I say Aaron Sorkin? I said Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> Aaron Eckhart. Thank there you. you. Uh, oh, my God. Can you imagine Aaron Sorkin <laughs> <laughs> as Harvey Dent? Actually, I kind of can, yeah. Um, you're cutting out Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, who mm-hmm. I think is fantastic. I actually think... Henry Cavill is good as Superman. He's just not given good stuff to work with. I actually think the same thing applies to Ben Affleck's Batman. And I think Gal Gadot is excellent. As I do think she, yeah, she's Woman. a great Wonder Woman. Chris Pine is great as Steve Trevor. <clears throat> so, no. Is, <laughs> I, I think she is really... I think she is a really great crafting choice. If you're going to go for someone who 
has the star power to get stuff made, which I think is ultimately necessary. Yeah. There is a part of me. And still has room to grow with the character. Yeah. There is a part of me that would have loved to have maybe seen a smaller actor or even an unknown come in. But I mean, she kind of was before then. Before then, it was. I mean, she. I mean, her. Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street, which was a huge, huge, like, splash for her. Yeah. And then I guess this was kind of one of the first big things she did after uh, that. Focus with Will Smith, his most recognizable role. (laughs) There's that. Oh, my God. Uh, Way way more than Men in Black. Way more than Men in Black. Focus is his definitive most recognizable role. From his Super Bowl con artist movie that was never able to mention the NFL by name. Yes. Uh, I I mean, I think she is excellent casting. And Mm -hmm. um, the great thing is is that I think she has the kind of power to keep getting stuff made, which ultimately is great because she continues to be good in that role even if the movies around her aren't as good particularly those guys squad and to a much lesser extent this movie which overall is still pretty good mm-hmm. she'll keep getting stuff done which i think is great so yeah yeah i would say that's fair mm-hmm. yeah i mean she's got the, the the clout and the talent to do it yeah, so she's great keep going margo we believe in you we do we love you yes yes all right uh with that anything else or should we go ahead and uh, land this bird uh, let's wrap this up all right uh well if you have other thoughts of the movie we would Really genuinely love to hear them. And you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. That's right. Uh, I would say probably an Instagram message or uh, an email would be the best place to uh, send some like longer thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook. Nope. 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 You can't find me on all of any of those things. No. You can find me at, at Lordifer on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find Sav on Twitter at Snack Pack and on Instagram at Sav Rogers Film. Uh, go check out both of his accounts. Amazing. He's fantastic. And Cameron, where can they find you? Uh, if you want to see my art and my very self-deprecating Valentine's Day comic, Which you can great. find that. Thank you. You can find that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face and all of my Disney stuff, find that at Dexter underscore adventures. And uh, I forgot to plug this last time, but I have an animated series out you do. On, on Disney's YouTube channel called Positively Mini. Episode 2 just came out. Yeah. Uh, and we have eight more coming out soon. Yeah, I put the, the last episode in the notes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's part of the plugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. You gotta look out for you, buddy. It's thank great you. stuff. They're yeah. really good. I forgot to plug it last time. Yeah, go check them out. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I think that's it. So back next week with more DCAU. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye.